This is not just another fitness podcast. Why? I touch on subjects that not only have I experienced, but most likely you or a person you know has probably experienced it as well. I created the Me Movement on the mic to provide you with relatable content and information on areas of movement, mindset and health. I'm on a mission to help you filter through life, to help you break free of the fitness stereotypes and embrace you while still enjoying a gelato or two. So join me, Sally, and let's get this episode started. Oh my goodness, what an actual um, honor and pleasure to have the Sir Jordan Sire. If there was a knighthood in health and fitness, you would definitely be having that. Welcome. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I'm so lucky to have you on because it's been like, I don't know, the beginning of the year. I remember you put something on your Instagram stories. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, if you want me to jump on your podcast, let me know. And I was like, you know, straight up, straight away. Um, and I was like, <laughs> oh, that's never going to happen because, you know, like time flies and COVID, but we're actually here so welcome yeah thank you yeah i always say people are always surprised i'll do a podcast with anybody like i'm i'm booked up i think now for like a year and a half but (laughs) but like i'll do it with anybody i love doing this stuff amazing amazing and tell me how's your day because it's i nearly got my times wrong and i think i was having bad dreams about it like i was sweating in my dream (laughs) it is 28 degrees here in sydney also um that's about i don't know 84 fahrenheit yeah it's pretty hot that's hot yeah and it's like eight nine in the morning it's nine in the morning got it it's uh it's a little after four o'clock my time so okay It's, it's good it's like it's it's not too early for you and it's not too late for me Amazing. So tell me about your day. I have to ask because I've seen this on a bunch of people from Australia. I've seen Vegemite. Like, is that something like, I don't know what that is, but I've seen a lot of people in Australia post about it. What is it? So you don't know what Vegemite is? Let me get that. No clue. Okay. So basically it's like um, a condiment that you have. You have it in the morning, usually on toast. Um, I think it's like made of yeast. It's black. It looks, it doesn't look great, but there's a technique to it. So, um, a lot of people from the U S cause if anyone's listening at the moment, um, Jordan's from the U S right. Yes. Yep. Right. Um, so a lot of people on TV, what they usually do is they'll get the Vegemite and they'll just like put tons on it, of it on toast, but there's a system behind it. You toast the sourdough. (laughs) Then you get butter and you put just a little bit and it's a nice salty slash kind of creamy balance. Okay. So, so what does it taste like? It's It's like salty. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. So do you have any salty kind of like breakfast spreads that you would use? Savory? No, it's, it's funny. Like if I'm going to get something salty, I'll probably maybe do like, um, sometimes I'll use like a little bit of like feta cheese, which is like slightly salty and spread that. But like, I've never had a condiment that's, that's salty. Yeah. What's kind of like a spread? Yeah. Are are more like, uh, are more sweet, like jams and, and jellies and stuff like that. But I just never knew what it was. So I, I was wondering, so thank you for explaining that. No worries, but it look it tastes really good with um like cheddar cheese. Oh, so okay. And you put the cheddar and you toast it, cause you have toasties, right? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, and um yeah, that's what you do. So don't make the mistake of taking a teaspoon of it and eating it, 
do not do that. Because <laughs> people too salty. Keep it, oh, it's disgusting. I'm like, duh. <laughs> you don't do that. Yeah, but um, I love the fact that you said you spread feta. Oh, I love feta. Yeah, I love feta cheese. Because that's a very Middle Eastern kind of ethnic thing. Yeah, I think I got that because I lived in Israel for a number of years. So I think I got that from there. Beautiful. And like, what else do you put on it? Just feta or on your toast or? Yeah, yeah. Usually it'll be it'll be feta cheese or just like I'll spread a little bit of that. Sometimes like uh, I'm not a huge condiment guy, but yeah, it's usually feta cheese. Maybe sometimes some type of jam or butter uh, or jelly. But like you, yeah, that's pretty much it. And then that that's I just, I'm pretty simple with that. So you're in the big fitness scope. You've been in here for a very long time, Jordan. Why? Like, do you remember that first time that you said, oh, I just want to really get into it and I, or I love fitness? Um, well, so I was always terrible in school. I was awful in school. I was, uh, I was in special education in the United States. We call it sped. So I was like, I was like, kids would be like, oh, you're sped. Like I was in sped growing up. And, um, I think naturally as humans, you tend to gravitate towards the things you're good at and you don't like the things that you suck at. And so I hated school, but I was very fortunate to be very athletic. So I did a lot of sports. I did soccer. I did wrestling. I did baseball. Like, and wrestling was like my number one. That's what I loved the most. But uh, I did. I was. I loved athletics. And I loved sports. And so when I got to high school, I was doing very well with wrestling, and I made varsity as my first year in in high school. So, but so I was good from like a technique perspective and an endurance perspective. But my first year going going up against mainly third and fourth years, I was nowhere near as strong as I, as I needed to be. So I applied to a gym a couple towns over for me. And I was just like, Hey, I'll take the trash out. I'll clean the floor. Just like, let me come learn from you and, and work with you. And fortunately they took me under their wing and they were also very science-based. And so I started getting into strength and conditioning from working there from 14. I did it all the way through high school and uh, and that was pretty much it. Like I, I fell in love with it. Like I, I knew from that point on, that's all I wanted to do. My mom did not like that at all. She wanted me to like be a lawyer or a doctor or something. And, and I just didn't want to do any of that. I just wanted to work out and help people with their fitness. So ever since I was a kid. Yeah. Amazing. Um, is there a specific kind of exercise that you're currently doing at the moment? Or, um, are you competing? What are you doing? Tell me about your day. Um, so, so I did compete in powerlifting after I stopped wrestling. So I did powerlifting for many years. Um, that was like sort of how I got my name out in the fitness industry early on in 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014. And now I'm doing jujitsu. I've been doing jujitsu for a while, which like was a, a relatively easy transition from wrestling to jujitsu. So I compete in that, and most of my workouts are focused on improving my jujitsu performance. So I'm no longer trying to lift as heavy as I possibly can. It's more like, all right, keep the strength that I have, but also improve my conditioning, improve my endurance, and improve my flexibility and overall health for jujitsu. And it sounds like you've evolved a lot because doing a lot of powerlifting to jujitsu, that's a big, big change and different energy systems and mindset and how did you do that because like i've got a lot of listeners that struggle to do like walking the the basics or you know summer's coming now christmas is coming and i know that there's lots of different ads that are coming up and hey it's time for you to shred now (laughs) you know and christmas hasn't even ended yet 
So, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a big, big change for you. How did you chat? How did you, tra- you transition in your head and decide you wanted to do that? Yeah. So, well, you know, when I stopped powerlifting, it was, I had a lot of, uh, I had a lot of like internal battles for a number of reasons. Number one is, um, when you do something for a long period of time, it starts to take part of your identity, right? It's like, you start to associate yourself with that. Um, we see this with people who do CrossFit. We see this with power lifters. We see this with Olympic lifters. Uh, we also see it a lot in the nutrition side of things. Like people, I do keto and then like, well, I'm, I'm vegan. And like, they are like, what they eat or how they eat is associated with their identity as a person. And we see that also in strength and conditioning. And so I very much, I was a power lifter and not only that, but at that point in my career, that's who I thought I wanted to work with was power lifter. That's who I thought that's all I wanted to do is just coach power lifters. So a lot of my content and a lot of my business was geared towards powerlifting. So when I got to the point in which I was thinking I wanted to retire, I was on one hand, I was like, I don't love it as much as I used to. So I know it's time for me to stop. But on the other hand, I'm nervous because I've built my whole business around this. And I've everything I've done for the last like five years has been saying like, this is the best. So then I was like, man, this is a, I'm sort of caught between a, a rock and a hard place because on one hand, I don't want to do it anymore. But on the other hand, I felt like I had to, but I knew in my heart, I was like, this isn't right for me anymore. I'm not passionate about it. So why keep doing something if I'm not passionate about it? So I slowly started to transition away and it was a wonderful learning lesson. Number one being that I realized my business isn't dependent on the type of training that I do. My business is dependent on whether or not I'm helping people is that's really it. So as long as like, I still continue to help people and put out content that help that would make people improve and help them reach their goals. They didn't care if I was powerlifting or not, which was great to know. Mm -hmm. And then also by changing the modality of my own training, I was opening my mind to learning so much more and experiencing so much more in the fitness industry. Cause I had spent so many years only powerlifting. There was so much, there's, there's always more to learn. And so it was great. It was exciting and, and uh, invigorating for me to step out of powerlifting and move into a more uh, athletic performance-based approach that has allowed me to expand my knowledge even further. Amazing. You clearly have a lot of experience as an athlete um, and changing different types of um, exercises or um, you know, areas, how do you take that? Cause you're quite hot. You you're quite athletic. Like you've reached that pinnacle of being an athlete. You know, you you push yourself. How do you translate that into to your clients? Cause you've got massive client base following. You've got the inner circle different. I've seen your different clients. They range from, you know, um, middle age to older age to young, um, how do you like translate that to them and say, how do you can do this or that, or you don't have to be an athlete. How do you do that? Yeah. You know, so that's a great question. Um, and it, I'll sort of tell a story from when I, when I got that job, when I was 14 years old as an intern, the, I vividly remember the moment that I was like, I want to be a coach because I got the job when I was 14 and I was just interning and helping clean the, clean the gym, not coaching, but over time they started to let me coach people. And the first person that I was allowed to coach as a, while I was being supervised, his name was Fred. And this is a true story. Fred, he was in his sixties and he, 
I remember during like the client intake form, I was asking him, what do you want to do? What are your goals? And I'll never forget this. He, he told me, he was like, well, I've got two bum shoulders and I just want to be able to pick my grandson up without worrying about getting hurt. And I was floored because I'm there at that point, I'm about 15 years old. And in my mind, the only reason people should work out is to look good naked and uh, to be a better athlete. Like that, at that point in my life, that's what life experience I had. And I was like, oh, people will work out to get a six pack and to be a better athlete. It had never even crossed my 15 year old mind that someone might want to work out just to feel better. And I remember being like very excited to help Fred achieve his goals, not to achieve the goals that I would impose on him, right? Not the goals that I thought he should have, but the goals that he wanted. And then I started studying shoulder health and shoulder mobility and stability and trying to figure out, okay, what exercises does he need to do to make sure that we can keep him strong to pick up his grandson, da, 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 da. So the point of me saying that is the vast majority of the people I work with, like 98% are not athletes and they don't want to be athletes. They have no desire to be, they just want to be healthier and more fit. And, and I think as a coach learning how to meet people where they're at and not impose your own goals upon them is, is vitally important. So the vast majority of the work that I do is it's not about helping people become like a, an elite athlete. It's just about helping them become healthier and stay motivated and, uh, and work out several times a week and prioritize their health and fitness, but not let health and fitness take over their entire life. So it, for me, my own personal goals and, and athletic endeavors is very separate from what I do on a business end and from my clients. Yeah, that sounds very honorable, especially in this industry. <laughs> uh, because... Like, I mean, I've watched your stories. I've, I've seen one in particular where like body images or expectations of a trainer, especially of your caliber on that social media platform is quite high Like, because you, you're flicking through and you see all these, you know, perfectly, you know, <laughs> for men, it's probably 5% body fat. I've just competed. This is how you eat. You shouldn't have that. Oh, I'm just going to overeat on these donuts because I've just competed. Um, and... Like I've seen one post where, you know, you, you, you're posting and you like, you had your shirt off. You're like, Hey, you know, I just did my training session. And then someone commented, oh, oh, like you shouldn't wear those shorts because we can see your body. Wink, <laughs> wink, nudge, nudge, you know, we can see your appendages or whatever, you know, and then you started see to the penis. Yeah, you basically, let's just say it. <laughs> and then, um, you put like a laptop in there every time or whatever, something random. So clearly people are watching and people are being very critical. How do you yeah, deal yeah. with that? Because that's full on. Like you don't just have 10 people watching you. Yeah. You know, I think, I think when I was, when I didn't have, uh, as much experience as I do now, like as I was growing, it, it was difficult. Like it's, it's not normal for humans to have immediate access to so many opinions about them, mm -hmm. right? Like it's not, we're not designed naturally to get hundreds and thousands of opinions in a second uh, and to have it infiltrate your mind. Like just humans, you're not like at, at most, you could have a handful, like you could like, thinking back to in human history, 
at what point did anyone, was anyone ever able to get the opinion of thousands of people who they've never met, they will never meet, who don't know anything about them. They just see a glimpse of them online and they can give them their opinion like that. That's not, humans aren't designed for that. So it was very difficult when I was just getting used to it. Um, But one of the amazing things about humans and about, you know, all living species is our ability to adapt. Mm. Right. And, you know, I sort of think about it like a doctor, uh, when a doctor first starts, let's say you have a doctor who's, who's working in an environment in which people are dying. The first person that they work with that dies, they're probably very emotionally overtaken with that. It's very difficult for them, but as they do it and as they get more experience and as they see more people die, they get desensitized to it. And it doesn't mean they don't care, but it means that maybe they don't need to go off for a cry after every time it happens, or they don't need to take a couple of days off. They can listen, that person passed. It's very sad. Let's move on to the next. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think that's where I'm at now with having people's opinions about me. It's like, at first I would get in debates with people that would ruin my week. Like I would go oh off. It would just, my entire week would be ruined. And just because of like something one person said, and I'd go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then I got it to be like, okay, it's only going to ruin like 48 hours. And then I got to a point where, okay, it's only going to ruin 24 hours. And then I got to a point where I was like, you know what? Like maybe this will be annoying for about 15 seconds. And then I forget about it. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's pretty much it. So I'm not going to say it's completely I don't care. I think anyone who says, I don't give a shit what anyone thinks. It's like, no, you do. Everyone cares, but how long it affects you is a, is a good marker of progress. Yeah. And you're a grown adult. Imagine kids like this. I can't believe the bullying. Cause this is bullying. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But you're right. hundred percent. It's bullying. And I can't believe, um, you know, there's grown people that are putting these comments in there. Um, it's just, it blows my mind. And I always go back to the mantra is if you don't have nothing good to say, why are you saying don't it? Say it. <laughs> like honestly. And the other thing is, is going to hold my microphone and be very dramatic in this. Um, would you say that to someone walking down the street? Correct. Yeah. Honestly. No, never. Honestly. It's funny. It's, I've realized something though. I think a lot of the people who take the time to say a mean comment or send a mean message, I've realized that when they look at, for example, my account, they don't associate with me as a real human. They see a lot of followers and a lot of them might assume that I've just got a team of people handling my accounts and messages. They don't realize like it's me behind the screen, no one else is using my Instagram. I don't have a team of people that are doing stuff. It's like, you're saying it to me. And so sometimes when they just, uh, sometimes I'll, uh, someone will message me and they'll just ask a question. They'll be like, how many calories should I eat? And I'll reply. I'll be like, Hey, my name's Jordan. What's your name? And they'll be like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I don't, I didn't even think about like introducing myself because it's, it's almost as if I'm not a real human to them. I'm just an account. Right. And so that's why I actually try and share more personal stuff sometimes, because I want people to know that I'm a real human. I want people to know that, like, I'm not, I'm not some, I don't even know how to articulate it. I'm just, I'm not some being, I, I'm a human just you're, like you. Yeah. Just, and, and just people to understand the scope of these, how many followers do you have? 
Instagram. On Insta- on Instagram, I have about eight hundred thousand. The very active as well, very active um, people that follow you, and also um, how many to- how many messages just off the top of your head would you get? A day, I mean, I'd say at least at least a thousand usually. <laughs> a thousand <laughs> messages a day. I'm lucky to yeah. see two or three people during my day, let alone that many <laughs> messages. I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's a blessing. Like I'm very lucky and fortunate. Uh, but it is definitely, it, it has its own pros and cons. It's def- It can be a battle. Yeah, definitely. And I wanted to touch on the, you know, could be a pro or con up to you, but you mentioned like, you know, the, the being personal and posting about your personal stuff and your struggles. But, you know, I wanted to, point out like you got married congratulations you went to greece looks amazing i love greece yeah yeah when do you like a step back and has anyone mentioned anything about your family members that you're like okay now i'm not gonna post anything or i am gonna post and how do you deal with that sort of out of a privacy like should i should i keep yeah that happens all the time like there's always trying to figure out the line between between what I want to share and what I think needs to be kept private. And it's a difficult line for me to, to, to know because I've always been pretty open. Like I've always just been more of like a, I've got nothing to hide. I know I've seen you on the toilet seat. You're pretty open. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's just how I was brought up. That's just how I am. Um, My mom was very much just like, always just, if you want something to say, if you want to say something, say it right. Like, it was, she always fostered a very, uh, an open conversation between us. Like we would talk about anything. Um, and I think that's how I am. I do have things that I like to keep private. And especially as my audience has grown, you know, sometimes uh, people, people, and when I lived in New York, they would like, they figured out which apartment I lived in and they'd wait outside my apartment. And like that got a little bit scary. So like I I have had to be more careful with what pictures I post so people might not know exactly where I am. Um, But the main thing is if it's about me, I'm probably going to share it almost always. If it's about my wife, I will always ask her first. uh, And I usually give her time to think about it, but like, she's pretty open as well. Uh, We've always, we decided like not to share her name or any of that because, you know, we do want that level of privacy. Um, But if it's about me, I'm I'm probably going to share it just to be honest. It's like, why not? You know, it's, and if I get to a point in my life and career where, I no longer want to be posting as much on social media Then I won't. And like, if sort of like with powerlifting, when I decided that, you know, I'm sort of done with powerlifting, I was like, I know this is right. Cause I'm no longer passionate about it. Then maybe who knows there will, will probably be a time in my life where I'm like, fuck it. Like, I don't want to be on here anymore and I'll stop. Yeah. And then that'll be it. Yeah. Look, I noticed um, with myself, I got um, hacked in Instagram. Oh, no. So I did like something stupid. It was like three in the morning. I was going to catch a flight. I clicked on a link. It looked legit. Oh. <laughs> so I've been oh, hacked. No. And it's very hard to get Instagram to get back to you. It's so <laughs> yeah. hard. You yeah. Know? Anyway, um, but I wasn't posting on Instagram. And I noticed that I was a bit less stressed or I wasn't connecting with more different people. I was, it was just, it felt different. Yeah. So it doesn't, ne- like... Maybe in the future, if you decide not to do the Instagram thing, it's not it's not going to be that bad. And if you aren't, where 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 are you going to contact people? What's the what's the step for you? Where are you going? Because you're very you know, I, very good at it. My favorite 
my favorite form of content right now is podcasting. Like I love this. I, I do like three to four podcasts a day. Um, I like it, especially when it's something like you you and I are doing right now. It's a conversation that you and I, who probably never would have met in real life if it weren't for social media, that from a, literally across the world, you and I can sit down and have an amazing conversation and, and an in-depth conversation with nuance and with feeling and emotion. Whereas on Instagram or TikTok, it's so surface level and it's like, People can't be asked to watch a 15 second video, never mind like listen to 60 minutes of something. Whereas you and I can sit down for an hour and just have an amazing conversation. And the people listening to it are prepared to listen for a full hour. And that means they really value you and they're really invested in what you're saying. So if, if I were to ever make a full switch, it would just, I just do podcasts, maybe some YouTube as well, because YouTube is similar in that, in that sense. Like people sit down and watch you for 15 or 20 minutes. Um, but the convenience of podcasting, I love because when I do, I don't edit them at all. I literally sit down, talk and hit publish and that's it. Um, YouTube, it's a little bit more difficult. Like maybe you'll take more takes with it and you have to do the video editing with, with the podcasting, you sit down, you shoot the shit, you say what you think, you think what you say and, and that's it. And it's done. Yeah. there. And uh, I think that's where I kind of like, it's not going to be really cheesy to say, but fell in love with you and like your message. Yeah. Thank you. Thank think, you. Yeah. I think it was podcasting. Yeah. 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 Because on it was honest. I think um, I forgot what the other gentleman's name is that you do a podcast with. Mike. Mike. Sorry. Yeah. Mike. And there was one podcast episode that you were very vulnerable and I thought, wow, I was waiting for that. And yeah, I don't yeah. know if you think you know which one it is. I don't. I'm not Super sure. Super vulnerable. Um, it was when you mentioned how you went to Israel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. And I was like, wow, there's so much depth in this episode. It was like really touching. And I liked it because obviously you mentioned falafel and how you were so <laughs> in love with that. What made you go? What made you just talk about that? Because you were very private about your nationality and background. Yeah, you know, you know uh, your religious values, and I noticed you got tattoos. I was like, "Hey, that looks kind of familiar." I don't know what it is, but I think <laughs> I do. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, "What is trying to hide? What's happening here?" You know, it's funny. I uh, I hired a guy. So a guy reached out to me right at the beginning of COVID, and he was like, "Listen, I love your podcasts. I think you could make them better." by being more open. And I, I'm the kind of person where if someone gives me a critique like that, I think when I was younger, I would get mad. I'd be like, oh, fuck you. Da, da, da. But at this point in my life, I'm doing my best to be more open to accepting criticism. And I was like, tell me more. So we hopped on a phone call. This is a random dude. I've never spoken to him before. He just DM me on Instagram. He's like, I love your podcast. I think they could be better if we got to know you more. And, uh, and so he hopped on a call and, uh, and I hired him and I was like, I want you to come up with ideas for my podcast. You tell me what you'd like to hear me talk about. And so he gives me all these ideas and that's actually why I started being more open and vulnerable on my podcast, because he said, talk about this, talk about this, talk about this. And then I would just tell the truth. I would tell stories about myself. And it's funny because when I started doing that, 
it really opened up my my listeners to understand me more and to empathize with me more and I to develop a stronger relationship. And it was all just, I would not have done it if it wasn't for Tony, who like I call my podcast producer now, like he just gives me ideas and I, I pay him every month. And like, we just hop on the phone once, once a month. And he just says, Hey, talk about this. I'll be cool. And for me, that's worth it. Just like, cause I think the, the, for me to be, it's difficult for me to say, Oh, what do people want to hear about? For him, he likes listening to the podcast already. So he literally just like, I want to hear you talk about this. So the next one I'm going to talk about is um, when I've struggled with injuries in the past and how I've been able to work through them. And uh, he's been very interested in hearing about that. So the next one is I'm going to do a little bit more of a personal discussion around the injuries I've gone through as a result of training and all of that Mm. uh, and sort of how someone can work through a difficult time as a result of injuries. But yeah, Tony's been a a huge critical part of my growth as a content creator, just because he, he helps me dig a little bit deeper into sharing more personally and more, more, uh, more openly. Yeah. And how does it feel when you do it? Very cathartic. Mm. You know, it's sort of like talking to a therapist, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> like, just I'm not getting any responses back, but like when I just talk into the microphone and I just have an hour to myself, um, it's nice. Like it, it gives, it's nice to retell these stories. And I also, one of the reasons I like doing it is because one day I'd love to have kids and grandkids and great and all of that. And I think for me, I, I don't know too much about my family history because, you know, they were Jews from Eastern Europe who fled from Tsar Nicholas and from, uh, from Hitler and all this stuff. So I don't know that much about my family because they deliberately never said where they were from specifically because my great grandfather, he was always scared that the the Russians were going to come back and, and he left when he was 12 years old. When he was 12 years old, he fled Russia because Tsar Nicholas was forcing 12-year-old boys and up to join the military and put them in the front lines to try and get rid of them. Mm-hmm. So my, I know that my family came from Eastern Europe, but I don't know where, and I don't know what they did for work, and I don't know. And I, I think I would love to know that. So if I can leave behind stories about myself for my future generations to know more about where they came from, that that would make me very happy. Yeah, amazing. That's so, it's so bizarre. Like when you say things like that, because I don't know anyone, I think I know one person who's um, Jewish and has heard their family's gone through all of that like experience or trauma. But when you say it and you watch shows, you, it doesn't like seem like he, he, it's, we're so far away from it that when you say it, it's just like, whoa, it, it's really full on. And, you know, someone's got the, that trauma from all that, all that experience, you know? Yeah, yeah, the Holocaust was like 80 years ago. Like people are still alive today who lived through it. People yeah. think it's so, especially in today's political climate, people almost, they they make they make light of it. Like, oh, that would never happen. It's like, are you stupid? Like it happened 80 and it's happening right now. There are places in the world where there are genocides right now that people yeah. were just so blind to it. And you, know, and, and, you know, the media makes it so easy to focus on topics that are, easy to argue about, but have such little substance right now where it's like they ignore some of these massive genocides and like huge issues across the world. And uh, I know it's a different sort of going different topic than, than where you initially started, but yeah, it's um, it it's happening every day. Yeah, I get it. Like um, I went to this, um, the bar was open, we went to a birthday and we had this um, father of someone who was talking to me and he's very white, very Aussie, 
don't, doesn't have any like any kind of um, like cultural background just just Aussie which is which is nothing wrong with that but I'm just saying like he was like oh you know Arabs they love to fight <laughs> he's oh, like oh where are you from and I was like well my mom's from Lebanon my dad's from Syria and I was like uh humans want to live okay there's no <laughs> Lebanese one Syrian one Israeli one Palestinian whatever African who wants to live in poverty and Correct. pain <laughs> Correct. And he just looked at me. Weird thing to say. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, because what can you say to people? You just it, say, there's nobody, nobody wants to be in pain. You know, we want to live our life. I want to walk down the street without worrying about a bomb coming over my head. Do you know what I mean? Correct. I have kids. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Even my neighbor, 100%. whoever he is. Yeah. <laughs> so people say dumb things sometimes in real, real time as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that, and that's a bit full on, but you have to have a, a you have to have a bit of patience because it's very easy to react. Yeah, well, he's lucky you didn't punch him in the nose, to be honest. <laughs> wow, I just had to. I stay couldn't imagine someone. Say, it's crazy. That stuff still happens. Yeah, People it's still, uncomfortable. Have you had any person in real time uh, come up to you and you're like, and they said something to you and you're like, what? Are oh you, yeah, you- I remember. I'll never forget this. Um, when I went to college, I had just spent a year in Israel, came to college and I, I didn't want to be there. Like I wanted to be back in Israel. All my friends were there and I moved to a place where there were very few Jews, like in Delaware, like there were very few Jews and, um, one, I'll never, a girl, I was, we were all like hanging out and, and, you know, someone some I had an Israeli flag in my room and they're like, what's that? I was like, oh yeah, it's really like I'm Jewish. Da, 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 da. And, and I had more hair at the time. She goes, uh, where are your horns? And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, don't Jewish people have horns? And I like, I was completely, like, I don't even know how to describe the emotions that I was feeling, but I tried to understand i was like what what are you talking about she was like i was always taught that jewish people had horns i was like i don't know who the fuck taught you that but like that's not accurate <laughs> at all but she fully believed that How jewish people had horns i was like 20 years old oh i was so, i was in college you're saying i was like hey sorry i missed no, that i was in college i like this is right after i went i graduated high school, spent a year in Israel, came back to college. This is like a 19 year old girl asking. And I was the first Jewish person she'd ever met. And she was like, where are your horns? I could not believe it. I was, I was, and I was like, fuck this place. (laughs) And this is like an Anglo speaking country. Yeah. This is America. (laughs) Crazy. You know what? That actually made me really sad. Actually, I'm not shocked. I'm just really sad. You know, that you had to go through that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I guess it makes you stronger and, you know, you always go back and go, why did this kid do that? And it's not this kid or this adult, I guess. It's, you know, what they've been 20 years as a kid. There is still a kid in your 20, but it was a product. Like that's, that's some dumb shit to say when you're 20. I'm sorry. It's a product of, uh, it's, you know, it's one of the reasons why I try and share so much about, about not only my religion, but also the importance of studying other religions. I just was talking about this yesterday. I went to my buddies, my buddy invited me to his church service. And I was really lucky growing up. My, 
I, I went to a, a camp called Camp Interfaith, where like Jews, Christians, and Muslims would get together for several weeks. And you know, I would, I would, uh, I went to my friends' mosques and celebrated Ramadan with them many times. And I would go to my friends' church and I'd celebrate with them. And I was very much my community was like, yes, like this can be your faith, but don't neglect other faiths just because it's not the one that you identify with like learn about it and study it and 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 celebrate it with other people who celebrate other religions and so i was very fortunate being brought up in that type of community even when i lived in israel like i was neighbors with arabs and palestinians and like it was wonderful like some of my best friends to this day are palestinians and uh i don't think the media shows that and I don't think I think they do it deliberately because it doesn't fit the narrative that they want to drive. Um, but I, I think ignorance is one of the biggest threats to peace in which when when someone is ignorant and uneducated on a certain topic about it, another individual, then it's much easier to create fear around yeah. that that person or that group of people. And that's why I try and share so much about it, because the more we can educate people and, and show them that we're all human. I don't care what religion or race or gender you are. Like we're all human and that's most important. Yep, definitely. Um, we can use this as an example, but people think that there's kangaroos hopping around the streets in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to jump on my kangaroo. You know, <laughs> I'm like I'm going to go to the grocery store. We've got Coles and Woolworths here, the big chain markets. But I'm walking through the store and, you know, a kangaroo hands me, you know, my protein bar. <laughs> that doesn't happen. I'm going to break yeah. it to you. Break it, it, break, break it to you. Sorry. Another topic I just want to touch on, since you're mentioning um, Israel and, um, you know, content, you, you're doing a lot of salads, I see. You love your salads. Oh, I love salads. Yeah. I mean, I should, I don't love them always. My wife makes amazing salads. I just really like it's an easy way to get vegetables in. And a lot of people are not eating vegetables. Mm, mm. I'm hearing a lot of um, talk and studies on a lot of like focusing on a bit more plant-based with the inclusion of protein. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah. You know, I, I think here's what I think. A great diet has a lot of fruits, a lot of vegetables, uh, uh, a sufficient amount of, of protein and healthy fats. Like that's, that's what a great diet looks like, right? It's, it's one of the reasons why paleo, I actually like paleo a lot. I think paleo is, is a great base for a wonderful, nutritious diet. Uh, the Mediterranean diet is another great base for a wonderful, nutritious diet. The issue, especially with paleo is not the diet as it is the ideology, right? Where they're like, you cannot have anything that's unprocessed or da, 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 which is then funny because like they make all these processed paleo breads and it's like, all right, well, that's a, a contra contradiction in and of itself. But either way, I, I'm a big fan of a lot of fruits, a lot of vegetables, a lot of lean proteins, healthy fats, and, and moderate carbs is basically like what I think the uh, very healthy diet looks like. Um, so if I guess someone could say, yeah, mainly plant-based with protein around every meal, and some of your favorite foods is probably a really good diet on the whole. It doesn't have to be that seven days a week, 24 seven, but on a general scale, the majority of your days should have plenty of fruits and vegetables, plenty of lean proteins, nice high quality fats and moderate carbs. Mm -hmm. It seems so simple. 
yet when I'm flicking through Google or Instagram, I'm, I'm seeing all these different diets that are being pushed by very <laughs> prominent celebrities, Nutra, Nutra, I can't remember what they are. It's like, I think Cristiano Ronaldo pushes it and it's like a shake system or yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. So, you know, what are your top tips for someone who's been through COVID? It's tough. They're working from home. They're not moving as much. They're not walking to the station anymore. Uh, they're walking to their fridge. <laughs> That's the uh, real reality of it. They got kids. If you can give them three top tips that they can go through to the end of, you know, to kind of like um, motivate them or head them in the right direction for 2021 to 2022, what would they be from your experience? Yeah. Top so, tips? so I would say before we even get into nutrition type stuff, I think one of the, the best things to talk about is just walking. And I try and talk about it a fair amount. Um, but walking is, I think, just the most underrated way to improve your health and fitness. It's just, and I try and go over the top with this because a lot of people don't believe me. They're like walking, like it doesn't even do anything. And I'm like, you're fucking stupid. It does so much. It's incredible. And if you look at the longest living populations and the highest quality of life populations, they all walk a lot, usually somewhere between seven to 15,000 steps a day on average. Um, the health benefits are miraculous. It's actually like, if you really want like a magic pill, walking is that pill. Um, I would love it if you could get outside and get some sunlight while you do it, get some fresh air, maybe even walk around on some grass barefoot. Like I love doing that. I think it's super helpful. There's actually a lot of research on it. It's called grounding. It's very, very helpful. And you can create some great connections with your body and the earth. And I know that sounds super hippy dippy, but like, it actually is true. You can Google it, look up grounding. Like it's a real thing. Um, but walking is something that almost everybody can do. And like, for example, when I lived in New York and it was freezing in New York and I didn't want to go outside and it was also super dangerous because like crime went up like crazy with all like uh, a lot of the stuff going on over the last couple of years and the cops were, were quitting and crime went up like by wow. 800%. I was just walking my apartment, which is a tiny little New York apartment. I just, I would literally get on the phone with a buddy and I would just walk. I just walk around my like, tiny, tiny little apartment. And it's one of those reasons why like people would say like, oh, but I have a small house. I'm like, so fucking walk up and down your stairs, like walk around your living room, literally like walk in circles if you have to, but getting your steps in, it's so helpful. And it's one of those, it puts you in, when, when you get your steps in, you, you're in such a better mindset. And oftentimes if you just sit around all day and like, you don't do anything in your head, you'll be like, well, what's the point of eating healthy? because like I'm, I'm a lazy slob anyway, but if you get your steps in and you do a little bit of something, well, now all of a sudden in your mind, it becomes worth it to eat better because you've put in work. And so I've noticed this, like when I was a younger coach, I used to say nutrition first exercise. Second, I've actually switched that in the last few years where I go exercise first nutrition, second, mainly just because exercise and just walking is such an easy change to make. And once you do it, you become so much more likely to make better changes on your own with nutrition. But with, with the nutrition, oftentimes you don't see the results right away. It can be very difficult to make those changes and to make them stick. 
but walking, like you feel better when you do it immediately. Endorphins are increased. You, your mood is better. It becomes more worth it to focus on your health. So walking step, step, step. So I'd say at least 7,000 a day. If you could get up to 10, amazing. But if you could do that on a daily basis, your, your health outcomes will be infinitely better than if you don't. Um, I would say, I would say, I'm trying to think of which way I want to go next, but sleep is a really, really important one. Sleep is massively important. And I know a lot of times, especially during shutdowns and everything, people felt like they were getting a lot of sleep, but it wasn't really high quality sleep. Uh, they were staying up really late with their phone, just shoved into their face with mm -hmm. this blue light. And they, uh, they might've, maybe they got a, a great number of total hours, but it's actually really interesting. If you look at the research around sleep, you get a different quality of sleep if you go to bed before or after midnight, like the quality of your sleep will change. So it's actually really important to try and go to bed. I would say somewhere between like nine and 11 at the latest, just because as you get later and later and later, your quality of sleep will decline, even if you get the same total number of hours. So I do really like saying, try to get to bed somewhere between nine to 11, get seven to nine hours of sleep. It can, Cause then if you aren't getting great quality sleep, you're probably not going to want to get your steps in. You're probably not going to be like as, as, uh, as likely to eat well, if you're tired or if you're up late, like no one is up at two in the morning eating celery sticks, right? Like, <laughs> like that's not what you do when you're up late and like just hanging out, watching TV and on your phone, like you're eating chips and nachos and mozzarella sticks. And there's nothing wrong with those inherently, but if you're doing that every day, you're probably not going to be looking the way you want to look and feeling the way you want to feel. Um, and then from a nutrition perspective, I would say, if there's just one more tip that I would give, I would say, if you've never tracked your calories, track them for a week, just for one week, see where your calories are at, uh, track everything you put in your mouth, everything, and, uh, and see how many calories you're eating. And from there, you'll get a better understanding of how much energy you're putting in your body. And if you need to add more or remove some. That's amazing. All those points are so simple, yet so effective. Like you, you haven't even said join a gym. You haven't yeah. even said, come and buy my program. You haven't said any of those, buy my supplements. Yeah, nothing. You just, you know? Simply. It's all things you can do. You one can of, just do it right now. It's funny. One of my mentors when I was younger said, he said, you can always tell who has sold out in the fitness industry by who starts making their own supplement company. And I, I took that to heart because I was like, I take some supplements and I do like some supplement companies, but I would never start a whole company based around supplements just because they're not the most important thing at all. Like they're not even in the, in the top 10 most important things. It's like, they're, they're not like, they can be very helpful, but it's in the name. It's a supplement. It's supplemental to you doing what you should be doing already. If you're not already getting your steps in, if you're not getting high quality sleep, if you're not eating the right amount of calories, if you're not getting protein in, if you're not eating high quality foods, if you're not strength training several times a week, then why the fuck are you taking supplements? Like you're, you're putting the cart way before the horse. 100%, 100%. And just a little outro question because the topic uh, the topic is falafel and fitness. Can you please <laughs> tell me, honestly, and on your heart, where is the best falafel that you ever had? And what oh, was man. it? Was it green, brown? You know, there's different types. That's a, no one's ever asked that question, but it's a good question because they do come in different colors. They do. Uh, the best falafel I ever had I was living in Batyam, which is right outside Tel Aviv. And uh, I was 18 years old. And there was a place in a little town called Cholon. 
and it, it was a five, it was five shekels for a falafel. So we called it five shek falafel and five shekels is the equivalent of about like a dollar 25 cents. So like super inexpensive, but they gave you these huge, huge falafels and you can put some French fries in it. These were green. These were green falafels. I actually really liked it a lot, like green, but slightly toasty on the outside, yes. like really crispy. Yeah. I know them. Uh, yeah. So that five <laughs> shek falafel in Cholon was my favorite one. And do you have hummus in it or no? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. I okay. brush my teeth with it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and how healthy is that? That's plant-based. Yeah, it's great. I love it. <laughs> Amazing. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your ridiculously busy schedule and picking me to uh, jump on this podcast. Um, the only thing I could probably do is offer you the best falafel in Sydney when you get a chance to come here. Um, we'll do a little tour if you're up for it um, and uh, I'll show you some falafel towns in Sydney. I will definitely take you up on that. Can you, because I know like uh, in Israel, it's pronounced hummus, but in Arabic, it's hummus, right? It's hummus. Hummus, hummus. H and, hummus. And, and, and it depends on what part of, you know, the Middle East you're from. Yep, yep. They say it, a different dialect. dialect. Okay. So we say hummus. Arabic is such a beautiful language to me. It's like, I really, really want to learn it, like very badly. So I would love to to figure that out. So, so in Israel, you, do you have sim? We have similar words. Yes. Right? Yeah. Salam and shalom. Salam. Yeah, yeah, shalom, yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Anything else? What about foods? Um, anything like that? There must be something. I, I know how, how to you say, say something. I know how, how to you say, say something. Yeah. I know how to say like one bad word, like uh, dear balak. Or I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing dear it. Dear balak. Dear balak. Is that like? Oh, man, that's like taking care. Take care of yourself. <laughs> Oh really? The, <laughs> the the person who told me that said it was like watch out, like watch yourself. Like, dear Belak. Yeah, like take care of yourself. Watch out. Dear Belak. Oh, dear Belak. Okay. Okay. So has to be falafel and some education on some words. <laughs> but thank you so much. Um, I hope you have a lovely day, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing some more stories of you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to my episode today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, it will be greatly appreciated if you have a spare 60 seconds to put a review on this podcast. It would mean so much, especially to a small business. Thank you again for taking the time to listen. I'll see you soon. Bye.